How many times in your life have you found yourself getting in a difficult spot and then God works in your life and speaks to you and gets you back to the place that you're, you need to be and rescues you and then the very next day you find yourself back in that spot again. You know, to me, I mean, honestly, that seems like it describes my every week. How about anybody else here? I mean, really, if we want to get really technical about it, it really kind of starts looking like every day to some extent. In our series on the book of Jonah called Running from God, which, by the way, is, we are finishing that series today, we've seen a man that God had called to do something for him. God had called this man to do something. He, he gave him an assignment that he wanted him to fulfill, but Jonah didn't want to fulfill it. And so as a result of that, he said no to God, he ran from God, and as a result of that, he got his life in a mess, and he caused a lot of trouble for a lot of other people. But then he finally got to the place where God wanted him to be, and when he did, God used him to do great things in the lives of others. That's a great story, isn't it? And if we were talking about your life and my life, don't we wish that the story ended right there? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just kind of end on a high note? Okay, God, I made a mess. You fixed it, you got me right back where I need to be, then it ends in great victory. That sounds like a good story. But unfortunately, many times, the story does not end right there. Instead of moving from victory to more victory, we take steps back in the wrong direction. And that's really what we're going to talk about tonight as we study God's Word together. I want us to talk about here I go again. God, you worked in my life. You got me where I need to be, but now here I find myself back in that same old spot again. And first of all, as we look at Jonah chapter 4, I want to start in verses 1 through 3. Let's talk about taking that step back. Look at verse 4, or verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Now we're jumping in the middle of the story here. Let's back up to where we kind of finished up last time. At the end of chapter 3, what had happened is, because Jonah finally got things squared away with God and finally got on board with God's plan, he went and spoke God's message to the people of Nineveh, and the people of Nineveh amazingly responded to that message. And the Bible says in verse 10 that God saw their response, and when he saw their response, that they had turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. That's a big praise of the Lord. There's some people who were going to be judged for their sins, and they had, they had a lot of sin. We talked about that. The, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were some of the most wicked people that have ever walked on the face of the earth. But the Bible says that God saw that they heard his message, and they turned to him, and, and, and many, many people gave their life to God. But that greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, this is kind of a stretch for a prayer. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, when you're, when you're kind of in this mindset, it doesn't seem like really a prayer. But prayer is communication with God. So, okay, fair enough. He communicated with the Lord and said, please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, 
and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Now, here's what these verses are saying. After Jonah sees the people of Nineveh respond to God's offer of salvation, which, by the way, is one of, if not, one of the greatest, if not the greatest revival ever in the history on the face of this planet. It says here in just a minute there were 120,000 people there. And you get the impression that the whole area gave their life to God and turned to Him. I said, it's incredible. Okay, so after that happened, the Bible says in verse 1, literally, it was evil, this thing that happened was evil to Jonah with a great evil. Somebody said that while God's judgment and anger was being taken away, one of his servants, who was supposed to be on the same page with God, was being stirred to anger because of that happening. So he says to God, I knew it, Lord. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you would do this. I knew that you would have mercy on these people. I knew it, God, because remember I quoted to you, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, Psalm 145, verse 8. The Bible says the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. And I shared with you that as far as I'm concerned, Psalm 145, verse 8, that, that phrase, and we find it here in these verses, that phrase is the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Okay, it's almost like a lot of times when you read the Bible, you see things that, you know, you're, you, you, you begin to dig and you begin to understand things. But sometimes God just gives billboards. Okay, John 3.16 is a billboard, right? I mean, it's just like for God. So, I mean, this, you can't get any more clear. If you wondered, there it is. It's a billboard. Well, Psalm 145 verse 8 is quoted there. It's quoted here. It's quoted in several other passages in the Old Testament. He said, God, I knew that about you. That's why I didn't want to preach to these people. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it almost unthinkable? Okay, now let's step back for just a moment. Jonah didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. We get that part, right? Jonah originally didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. But he got back on track. That was good, right? Okay, so he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. We're, we can relate to that. But he got back on track. That was good. And then God does an amazing work through him. That's even better. But then he gets mad, even fighting mad about that. Now, let me give you an example of what that'd be like. And I actually asked this person if I could share this story, this illustration. Many of you were here a few weeks ago when we did the cardboard testimonies. Wasn't that incredible? Wasn't that absolutely powerful? And many of you guys know that the, the, one of the last people that came out, I think the last one was Derek Cassidy. Derek Cassidy and his wife, uh, Lindsay, head up our Celebrate Recovery and the Real Hope Ministries that God's put on their heart to start. Okay, well, Jonah's response would be like, okay, God speaking to Derek as Derek came to me a few years ago and shared about his vision for Celebrate Recovery and, and God working mightily in people's lives, which is coming to a reality, isn't that great? Okay, what if Derek had came to me a few years ago, shared that with me, and that God was working in his heart to, to begin these ministries, and what if Derek had said, you know what, I just don't want to do that. I just think I'd rather not do that. And, and, and what would go into all that, okay, just like Jonah, how many of us, God's spoken to us before about doing something, and, we'd say, and we've said to the Lord, I just think I'd rather not do that, right? Okay. And then, Derek says, you know what, that's not a good thing. 
Amen, to say the least. That's not good to say no to the Lord. So he got back on track. And let's just say Derek said, you know what? I didn't want to do that, but yes, I'm going to do it. And he obeys the Lord and prays the Lord. We see here today, a few years later, cardboard testimonies and our lives are absolutely transformed by seeing what God's doing in the lives of others. Isn't that great? But imagine this. Imagine if a few weeks ago, after we had the cardboard testimonies, imagine if Derek came in my office after seeing those life-changing stories and he said to me, Pastor Robbie, I'm leaving the church. I'm leaving the ministry. In fact, this is so depressing to me what I saw in those testimonies that I just want to die. Isn't that absurd? I mean, that's just, that, is, that doesn't even make sense to, to, to say that, does it? Now, it makes a little more sense when we make it a little more personal. So let's, let's kind of ratchet it up a little bit. For instance, if the people that God called Jonah or Derek or any of us to reach, if that was a particular group of people or a particular area that you might struggle with in some way personally. Okay, let me give you an example. Many of you grew up in the fairly calm Adirondacks, right? I mean, isn't this a pretty nice area to live? Okay, It's a pretty calm, pretty, pretty easygoing area to live in. But what if God called you to an inner city ministry? What if God called you to Hamilton Hill in Schenectady? Or isn't there one called Arbor Hill? Isn't there another one? Okay, so there's Hamilton Hill, there's Arbor Hill in the Albany area. Okay, what if God called you to go to an area like that, an inner city area? And you might say, you know what, God, okay, I'll do it. But I'm really hoping it's not successful. I'm really hoping it doesn't work out because I don't really want to go there. And I don't want to stay for very long. And so I'm going to go. I'm going to do the minimum, which, by the way, remember Jonah did the minimum, right? I mean, from what we saw, he just said a few words. Isn't it amazing? Somebody said, God can strike many a straight lick through crooked sticks. Okay. So God was able to do an amazing thing. Even Jonah didn't give much effort. So what if I said, okay, I'll do that, God, but I I really don't want to do it. I don't want to stay there long, and I'm hoping it's not going to work because I look forward to the day day that I can come back home to the Adirondacks and I can get back to the place that I feel more comfortable. That's not real far-fetched to believe, is it? Can we see ourselves saying that? I'd just rather not. Let's take it a step further. A few years ago, I heard a missionary. Maybe some of you have heard her story. Carrie McDougall, have you ever heard of her? She was a missionary who her and her husband, uh, God had called them to go to a highly terroristic country as a missionary. In fact, when her and her husband actually did in fact go to that country, her husband and some other missionaries were killed very soon after. And what if some of those terrorists who killed her husband, those missionaries, what if they came to Jesus What if they came to the Lord? What if, let's just make it real for all of us, what if Osama bin Laden himself had given his life to the Lord? And we might all think, no, God. No, that is too easy for him. This guy has done so much wrong, he cannot be forgiven for this. Because we say so, right? We we might be tempted to say, That guy, he needs to face eternal judgment from God. At the very least, I don't want to be a part of helping him, but I maybe even want to be a part of cheering on what he's got coming to him. If you can get to that point in your mind of relating to that, 
then you're starting to understand where Jonah was coming from. And for a moment, maybe even having some sympathy for that guy Jonah that we've been pretty hard on. But the point we want to get here, though, is this. Regardless of how we might identify to some extent with what, how Jonah felt, the fact is Jonah was disobeying the Lord. Jonah earlier had been at a point of not obeying the Lord, and because of that, like we said, he got himself into trouble, he got some other people in trouble, and, here, and now here he is again. Regardless of how we might relate to a situation, the fact of the matter is God had called him to do something and Jonah was just flat out saying, I don't like what you want me to do. How often has that happened in your life? How often has God got me back to a place of of getting back on track, but now I'm beginning to take a step back, maybe a few steps back in the wrong direction? If that's where you are right now, I want to encourage you to consider a few things. Write these things down. First of all, if you're beginning, if you find in your, lo- in your heart that God's been working and God spoke to you and God brought you back to a right place, but you're beginning to step back in the wrong direction, first of all, don't forget what happened before. Even if you don't like what God is proposing for you to do, let me ask you this question. When you did it your way before, how did that go for you? How quickly, many times, is it not true? How quickly, many times, we forget the pain that we brought into our lives with those wrong choices before. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is anybody feeling my pain here? Y'all seem like it. Come on now. Have you ever found yourself in a, in a hard spot, then God works in your life, then you're amazed by His goodness, then all of a sudden, the very next day, how many of us have walked out of church, and an hour later, we've totally forgotten how God mildly spoke to our heart? Is that not true? Number two, focus on this current decision, not your past ones. Okay, what I'm saying is this. God is all about the present. You have a choice right now to decide, what am I going to do? Now listen, there's two things we have to watch out for. We shouldn't focus on our past wrong decisions. We shouldn't focus, you may be surprised by this, on our past right decisions. Now what do I mean by that? By those past decisions that we've made that were wrong decisions. Here's how we sometimes, we can be shamed by our past sometimes. We can say, you know what, here I am. I'm such a loser. I've done wrong before. I've done wrong again. I may as well just stay here in this messy place that I'm at. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? I mean, God gave me an opportunity. See, that's how the enemy works. Okay, we're here to expose lies, right? And to bring the truth. Okay, here's what the enemy wants you to believe. Hey, you know what? Okay, God gives people second chances. Okay, so you messed up. He spoke to you. He gave you a second chance. He worked in your life in a mighty way. And now you've blown it. So guess what? It's over now. Don't let those past wrong decisions affect the decision you're going to make right now. But also... Don't let, we shouldn't let those past right decisions define what we're going to do right now. Many times we try to live off the right decisions of the past as well. And this is the way we think about it. You know what? I did the right thing before. You can't expect me to be perfect. 
Is it really that big of a deal if I mess up now? That's what the enemy wants us to say. He wants us to say, hey, God spoke to you before because you had messed up and things got right and you, made, you did good, you did good. Pat you on the back. You did well. And so just don't worry about it this time. No, that's not what the Lord would say. The Lord would say to us, don't let the, 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 the wrong in the past, don't let the right in the past, let right now be your focus. And then number three, don't treat grace lightly. You know what? God does give second chances. We've talked about it in this series. God actually gives 10,000 chances, doesn't he? God gives me. Friends, listen. If you guys knew what a knucklehead I am, and I'm not saying that in false humility, because Shannon will back it up, all right? If, <laughs> no testimonies from my family scattered across the room here. Seriously, guys. The Lord knows. And he knows you too. So we can pull your record out too. Sometimes I wonder, wow, God, when are you going to say, I'm just done with you? Thank the Lord that he doesn't. But listen, don't take that lightly. God does give us grace. Amen, amen, amen. Amazing. But listen, eventually, he will let us have the consequences of our wrong choices. He is very gracious and kind and merciful to us, but eventually he will let that play out. Okay, so how does this uh, end up here? Well, Jonah ends his prayer with a God, just kill me. Just kill me, Lord. And I think the Lord probably wanted to answer that prayer pretty quickly. I think he probably wanted to say, okay, let's just get this thing over here. But here's what, here's what God says to Jonah. Let's talk about it. Okay, first of all, he took the step back, but secondly, having God speak to us, listen, again. Do you ever get to the point with someone that you're working with? Maybe it's an employee, or maybe it's your child, or maybe it's a student if you're a teacher, and you're trying to convey or teach some principle or some truth to them. And do you ever get to the point where they're just really trying your patience, and you just feel like saying to them, okay, we're done. I'm not spending any more time on this with you. you ever feel like that? Isn't that what we would expect from God? With Jonah right now? It's what I expect the Lord might, would want to do with me sometimes. Hey, I've given you enough chances. You had an opportunity to get on the right track. There's no more. But instead, amazingly, instead of no more, God is still working on Jonah. He's still speaking to him. Thank God you're here tonight. And even though you may not be in the right spot, thank God he's still speaking to you, isn't he? Isn't that good news? Though I have to admit, it's about to get hard for Jonah. Let's look at verses 4 through 8. After Jonah had prayed that prayer, the Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. 
When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying again, death is better to me than life. Now in verse 4, it starts this word from the, from the Lord to Jonah. And basically, the Lord says this to Jonah. He says, Jonah, do you really have good reason to be angry? That's a great question from the Lord. He's good at that, isn't he? He might have thought he had reasons, but did he have a good reason to be angry? Do you have good reason to be angry? Well, maybe Jonah said, I think I do have good reason. And in some sense, we could see that he, he does have some reason to be angry. We talked about that, but I think God's trying to get to something much more significant. So in verses 5 through 11, the Lord goes into this detailed illustration that he had for Jonah about basically why saving the people of Nineveh was so important to God. Look at verses 5 through 6, okay? In verses 5 through 6, it says that Jonah went out to the edge of the city. I just wonder, why did he go out to the edge of the city? You know, I think it was probably one of a few things. It was possibly that Jonah said, you know what? I'm hoping God's going to change his mind about this thing anyway. And so I'm going to sit out here and I'm going to see if he'll change his mind and just go ahead and judge him. Or maybe somebody said he was just a pouting prophet, okay? He was just like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm just going to go sit on the edge of town and just kind of sit here and see, you know. He's just pouting. Or maybe he thought, you know what, God? You'll see. These people, yeah, they had a nice uh, decision. But they're not for real. I know these people, God. Isn't it absurd for him to be, if, if this is how he felt, to be telling God this? You'll see, God. They'll change as if God doesn't see the future. Then Jonah makes a shelter. What kind of shelter? Well, it was probably just a hut. It was probably just a, you know, just uh, taking some limbs, uh, tree limbs and, and some branches, some leafy branches to shade himself from the hot Assyrian sun. Uh, the records indicate to us, at least today, that uh, the temperature there at some times of the year can get up to 120 degrees. Remember, he was in Iraq. That's how hot it can get in that area. But probably not long after that, those leaves, as you can imagine, being in that hot sun, they probably begin to wither. So in, in verse 6, God created a vine to grow and to provide some foliage for him. Now, it's kind of interesting. Here again, we're seeing for the, uh, the second time in the book, it says that God appointed or God prepared. Remember the last time we said that? In chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible said that God had done what? God had prepared or appointed a what? A fish. I just love this idea. God had raised up this fish from birth just for this purpose of teaching Jonah a lesson. Well, God did the same thing with this plant. We're going to see it several times in this passage. God appointed. God prepared. What the Bible's trying to teach us is, listen, uh, young people, some people will tell you at college that God is, not a, God is not involved in the affairs of men. That is not true. The Bible says that God is intimately acquainted, Psalm 139, intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He is actively involved in the affairs of men. God's hand is in this, is basically what it's saying. And Jonah's response to God's vine was, it literally says, he rejoiced over the vine with great rejoicing. This is the happiest by far that Jonah has been in the whole story. I guess you could say he's not hard to please. Just give me a little vine, and I'll be happy here, pouting on the hillside over town. Maybe it was a relief from the heat. 
Maybe it was kind of evidence to him that he and God were still in decent kind of place because the Lord gave him this special gift. Maybe it was a little bit of both. But then in verses 7 and 8, it tells us that God appointed something else. God appointed a what? A worm. And that worm killed Jonah's beloved vine. And then the Bible says after he lost his vine. Now remember, I mean, think about it for just a minute. 110, 115, 120 degrees. And then God brings this wind. Have you ever been so hot that you don't want a fan on? Because all it is is blowing heat on you and making you hotter? Okay, well, this wind that they're talking about, actually, it's known to, when it blows across there, that many times in this area, when that wind comes across there, it increases the temperature 15 or 20 degrees. Okay? So this would have been, if you had... If you had I uh, woken up that morning and saw the weatherman in Nineveh. He said, it's going to be a real scorcher today. All right, that's what was happening here for Jonah. And now, once again, dejected by God's mercy on these people and by the problems that he's facing with the sun bearing down, Jonah repeats again, just let me die. But then in verses 9 through 11, we get to God's point in all of this. Let's read those verses. Then God said to Jonah... Once again, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh? the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals. In verse 9, the Lord said to Jonah, Jonah, are you sure? Are you sure you have the right to be angry? Are you sure you have the right to be angry about this vine? Are you sure you have the right to be angry about all of this, really? And Jonah replies, well, yeah, sure, I think I do. But then the Lord says in verses 10 through 11, and he says it very emphatically in verse uh, 10, he actually, in the Hebrew, it says, then the Lord said, you, you, just let's talk about you for a second, you had compassion on a plant which you had nothing to do with and you just knew it for about a day. It came about and then it left and, and that was you. And then the Lord says, so what would be so crazy about, and then he emphasizes himself, what if I... That was how you felt. What if I have compassion on some people? Which, by the way, are the highest of my creation. I created them personally. They bear my image. I care deeply about them. One day I'm going to send my son to die for their sins. And I have the most special relationship with them than anyone else of all, anything else in all my creation. In fact, uh, just to show you the care that God has in these verses, the word that he uses, many of our translations uh, uh, say uh, that, that uh, what if I have compassion? What do you, some of your other translations say? What if I have what? What? Concern. What if I have pity? Do you know, actually, in, in the Hebrew language, it literally, God says, what if I have tears in my eyes for them? And it actually means weeping, okay? So you kind of see a guy just looking down on the people of Nineveh, and he says, what if I have such concern for them that there are tears welling up in my eyes? And by the way, there's tens of thousands of them. The Bible says 120,000. 
Now again, just to kind of as a side note here, there are things all throughout the Bible that people try to challenge. We say, well, were there really 120,000 people? What's going on here? What was, what was God saying? He says, uh, there's a city of more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left. Some people say, is that talking about kids? Is it talking about a moral innocence of kids that there's 120,000 at least that age who don't know their right from their left? So that would say there's about 600,000 people in Nineveh or that metropolitan area we had talked about. That's possible. I personally believe what God is saying here is, and it just shows you his heart for them, that there was a, there was a whole city of 120,000 people who were completely lost without God. And it just broke his heart to see that. Also, I think it's kind of interesting that he mentions the animals. You know, we need to be careful. The Bible makes it clear that animals are not even close to the value of human life to God. Write down Matthew 6, verse 26. The Bible says, are you not worth much more than they? But it still shows us the graciousness of God and the value that all life has to God. Write down Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. Now, I do want to get to our main focus again here in just a moment. Okay, here's what we're talking about. We got things straight with the Lord. He helped us get back on track. We got off track again. Now God's speaking to us, and we have a decision to make about that. But before we do, I want us to think about the specific struggle that Jonah faced in these verses and how that ugly attitude sometimes shows up in our lives. There are probably people that you don't like. Or there are probably people that you struggle with more than others. People that you don't want to deal with. There may even be, even though we would not want to admit this, but honestly, if you, if you search your heart and we're honest about it, there are some maybe that you aren't even sure if they deserve God's mercy. And we would never say that, but if we are honest, many Christians think many Christians portray that their God and his free gift are too good for some people to be given the opportunity to receive it. That's tough words, but it's true. There are some Christians. There are some people, there are some churches that won't let those little kids into church because their clothes are dirty. There are some Christians, there are some churches that stare at some people because of the color of their skin. There are some Christians, there are some churches that won't talk to certain people because of their political party. Or maybe what they've chosen to do with their lives, especially maybe their sexual lifestyle. Think of someone who's a prostitute or maybe a homosexual. For all of us, there are some people who've maybe hurt you personally so badly that you you would just say, I don't have it in me to share the message with them. Now again, maybe you wouldn't say that. Maybe if you were really pressed, you would say, I'm not so sure I want the message to be offered to them. The problem with that is, that's our view, but it's not God's view. Listen, friends, God's pressing us here like he was Jonah. Okay? It's not comfortable, is it? But we need to think about this. Each person, no matter how you feel or I feel personally... And no matter who you struggle with, who I might struggle with, each person has been created by God and he wants them to experience his forgiveness. And if we could see it from his perspective, not our own, we'd see it that way too. By the way, just to show you that Jonah was seeing it from his perspective, in his prayer to God nine times in verses uh, 2 and 3, he says, I or my. Okay, so his prayer 
was really focused on whose perspective? His own perspective. One Bible teacher said this about these verses. Countless numbers, are we listening, friends? Countless numbers of modern-day believers miss much of the joy of being involved in God's work because of our own limited worldview or self-focus. So what this brings out is God's amazing love for all peoples. No matter who you think or I think about certain groups of people. And by the way, aren't you glad that God didn't exclude your group? Amen? Who makes the rules about which group gets in? Amen? I'm in some group, I guess. I'm sure somebody could categorize me some way. Thank God that he says all are welcome to come. Okay. So that was the specific struggle that Jonah had, and some of us maybe too, and it caused him to take a step back after he had made some progress, and it caused the Lord to speak to him once again. Now let's read the next verse and talk about deciding where you go from here. Okay, Jonah had a decision to make. He had messed up again. How would he respond to God calling to him this time? Okay, let's read verse 12. There's no verse 12, is there? Did you notice as we were reading these verses, doesn't Jonah kind of end abruptly? I mean, wouldn't you kind of expect, so Jonah got his act together again and got things right with God, and they all lived happily ever after. Or at the least, you might think it would be, So Jonah decided again that he wouldn't listen to God, and here's the impact that that had on his life. The problem is, we don't know, do we? Here's what one author said. The story is deliberately left open-ended for those who study its message to complete it in their own lives. Okay, so here's... Remember how we've said there's a lot of shock throughout Jonah? There's sort of a literary shock here at the end of Jonah it's like so how did it end God well the Lord would say you tell me how will you and I allow the message to end where will we go from here amen you know what unfortunately here's what many of us think like I said earlier I got off track God spoke to me. He got me back where I needed to be. I saw amazing things happen. God did a great work in my life, but then I got off track again. I blew it again, so it's over for me. Well, let me share this with you, friend. That is not true. The Bible says His mercies never end. Isn't that good news? Now listen, as long as we're sincere, as, we're lo- as long as we're not playing games with God, as long as we're not trying to manipulate Him, as long as we're not taking His grace lightly, as long as we're saying, oh, it's no big deal, I'll just come back and I'll get forgiveness again. Now that's not right, is it? Okay, that's, but, but if that's not your heart, if you're sincerely coming to the Lord, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a lover of God, you will desire with all of your heart to live, with the Lord, to live for the Lord with all your heart, all your life. Amen? But, if God cannot work with people who mess up, then he's not going to be able to work with anybody in these shoes 
And I think probably those out there too. Amen. Isn't it good news? He said our God is a God of second chances. And when we shared that message, we said and third, and fourth, and fifth, and 152nd. Well, guess what? Maybe, maybe you even made some decisions back in that God of second chances message and you've already since then blown it. I guess it's too late for me. Well, good news, it's not. But there is a decision to make. That's really what Jonah, the end of Jonah, leaves us with. Basically this. Will you continue running, Jonah, Robbie, or will you turn to me today and follow my purpose and receive my word? Let my work take place in your heart. Is God speaking to you tonight? Hey, listen, friends, this is the last message on running from God. After this weekend, we're moving on to something else. And you know, I think uh, sometimes uh, maybe the first message, somebody needs to respond to God because God spoke. If God speaks to you, that's the time to respond. But maybe sometimes at the end of an emphasis, maybe God just brings that all together. And maybe today's your day. I've been running from the Lord, and it's time to stop. What if somebody were writing your story tonight? What would be the rest of the story?